Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, hello and welcome back to our sixth part in our series, Fearless. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to encourage you and invite you to go back online and watch the other five messages in this series because fear, anxiety, and worry are kind of at the forefront of everyone's mind these days as we've survived a pandemic, we've gone into a war in, the, in Europe and just the uncertainty of that. It has been a long run of dealing with a lot of stress and people's worry and anxiety levels are high and maybe, maybe po- probably yours are as well. And if they're not, this stuff is so applicable anyway how to live a better life. So I really encourage you to, to spend some time with this material. This week, we're in part two of Freedom from Anxiety. Last week, we started in Philippians chapter four. So if you have a Bible, open up there and follow along. Um, last week, we, well, let me actually, let me uh, just read the, the passage that we read last week, and we'll just unpack that, a quick review. Uh, this is what it says in Philippians four, verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And really what he's saying there, if you look at the original language, it's, it's not a don't be anxious and you're bad if you are anxious. He's saying don't continue being anxious. There's something that you can do about it. And he, he goes on, he says, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I went on last week to unpack this uh, five points last week real quick. First one is this, uh, choose a positive mindset. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And he says it again, rejoice. Choose a positive mindset. And we talked about the power of uh, our, our thinking and our thoughts and what we do with those. And then secondly, he teaches us to respond with grace. Let your gentleness be evident to all, he says. So, so when we respond, we don't respond out of emotion. We respond out of maturity. We, re, we re respond with forgiveness and self-control and with maturity. And, and that doesn't feed the monster inside of us. That, that stops the... the um, kind of the biophysical response of, of, of fear and worry and anger and all of those things. It kind of shuts that down at that place. The third thing he says is to remember that God is with you. Uh, it changes everything. And all, almost every time when the Bible teaches us to not fear, it says, God is with you. It, they kind of go hand in hand. And so we don't have to worry because God is with us. And we can respond to these ways because God is with us. All right, the fourth thing is to stop, drop, and pray. The Apostle Paul, as he writes these words, he's so brilliant. Uh, he basically says, cut the worry cycle off at the knees. If you have a worrisome thought, grab it, take it captive, take it to God in prayer. And if you have another one 30 seconds later, you grab it, you stop it, you take it to God in prayer. And if you do this over time, if you starve worry, it will eventually dissipate in your life. And so we stop, we drop, we pray. This builds our relationship with God. This builds our faith. Uh, it also stops the worry cycle in our hearts. And then the fifth thing was this, to, to start with thanks. 
to, to, to nurture an attitude of gratitude and to remember everything that God has done and to thank him for that. So when we go to him in prayer, we go to him with thanksgiving in our hearts. And what this does is it builds our faith. It reminds us of how faithful he has been in the past because we can look at all the things that he's done and the times that he's come through for us in the past. And it's a powerful practice. Any one of those things is transformational. All five of those things together, super, super powerful in our lives. Now, this week, what I want to do is I want to finish this passage. We're going to read verse 8 and verse 9 and some final instructions that Paul gives us. And these are just as powerful as the ones we talked about last week. This is what he says in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Two points here that Paul lays out for us this week. The first is this. Fill your heart and mind with good stuff. Fill your heart and mind with good stuff. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul, of all people, and Paul understood this, we see this throughout his writing, he understood that if you can change the way you think, you will change your life. That our life, our actions, our behaviors, our words, they're all guided by the way that we think. Paul had some insight, I believe, um, beyond his age, beyond the technology of his age or the understanding of his age, and he was absolutely right. In Romans 12, 2, touched on this last week, Paul writes the words, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the thing about worry and anxiety and fear is when you focus on worry, your worry will grow. When, you, when, when you're thinking about the things that you're worried, worried about, it just grows and grows and grows. It's kind of like putting a, a worry log on the fire. If I reach over here and put a log on the fire, the worry will, you know, it'll, it'll kind of catch fire and grow. But if I keep putting logs on the fire, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, now, now, Paul is writing to a, a group of people who have every reason to be worried they're Christians in a non-Christian environment. Christianity is on its way to becoming illegal. They are not only at risk of losing their freedom as Christians, they're at risk of losing their lives uh, if things continue to go the way they've been going. And Paul is like, look, don't focus on the worry. It's okay to acknowledge that that's going on, Absolutely. He's not telling us to live with our head in the ground and, and, and uh, to walk around like, oh, everything's awesome. No, he, he is telling us, you know, don't spend your time there. Don't spend your thoughts there. It's okay to acknowledge it. It's okay even to plan to avoid some of that. But if that's what you're thinking about all the time, it's going to jack you up. That's what Paul's saying. Don't dwell on it. Because power, Paul understood the power of directing your thinking. And, and, and our thought patterns can be shaped by intentionally thinking about the right things. This is neuroscience. Now, we know this today. I don't know that Paul understood neuroscience then, but we know this today that we can establish 
uh, thought patterns, neuropathways, actually physiological structures in our brains. They're called neuropathways, and neuroscience uh, has, has uncovered all of this in recent years. And the more you think about something, the deeper those pathways become. People who are addicted to pornography will develop what they call ruts in their brain because they're thinking about that all the time. And, and so it goes back, uh, it, it, you know, that pathway gets run over and run over and physiologically in your brain, there are pathways that are dug and they're very hard to overcome. It's possible to overcome them. So don't hear me say you're stuck. There is a way out and whatever other thought pattern you have established in your mind, there is a way to stop it. But that physiologically gets burnt into your brain. Carolyn Leaf is, uh, is a uh, neuroscientist. She actually is a Christian as well, uh, and she's written many books on this topic, but she wrote a book called Switch on Your Brain. She said this, thoughts are real physical things that occupy mental real estate. Moment by moment, every day, you're changing the structure of your brain through your thinking. When we hope it is an activity of the mind that changes the structure of the brain in a positive and normal direction. In other words, you have the capacity to change the way you think and make yourself healthier in so doing. This is what Paul is saying. If you're going to fill your brain with stuff, fill it with good stuff. Fill it with things that are pure and true and noble and beautiful and lovely. He goes on and on and on. And you're like, well, that's not where I default to. And that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians says, take every thought captive. Like, yes, for, for most of us, this is going to be an act of self-discipline. Like, we have to choose to do this. We're not going to default to this. It's something we have to choose to do. But if you will, it will begin to become part of who you are. And your whole view of the world will begin to change. And your inner world will begin to change as well. Because what you focus on ultimately over time will determine how you act, what you say. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 6. He said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, in his inner world. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Ultimately, this stuff comes out. It comes out in who we are, how we are with our kids, how we are with the people that we work with, what the things that we say. The things that we think about are powerful to shape our lives, and I'm telling you are powerful in this arena of anxiety, worry, and fear. And he tells us, think about uh, whatever is true. Now, in a world of fake news and disinformation, <laughs> what is true? I have found myself saying this over, over the recent months. I don't even know what to believe anymore. I mean, it seems like the news media, all sides of it are, are just full of, of narrative, and there's very little truth there, and, 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 and social media, and what's online, and it's like, what do you believe? Well, I, there's one thing that I know is true, and that is God's Word. God's word is true. Fill yourself with God's word. He says, fill your mind with whatever is noble. Noble means possessing outstanding qualities, very good or excellent. Fill yourself with, with things that are noble and, and, and you know, stories of courage. Read a, a, a classic novel of, of courage or sacrifice or valor or whatever, but fill your heart, fill your mind 
with things that are noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy. Now, here's what I know. This combination of virtues, if you will, will, will think on these things, dwell on these things instead of all the junk that's floating around in our world, it will produce a wholesome thought pattern. And, the results, and it will result in a life of moral and spiritual excellence, but it will also result in a life in an inner world, in a spirituality full of peace. So the question then is, how do we fill our heart and our mind with good stuff? I've got just a couple, couple things that came to mind as I was putting this message together. The first one is this, limit time on social media. Limit time on social media. Now, I talk to people about social media all the time, and they're like, well, you know, it's not that I enjoy social media. It's kind of toxic. I don't know why I spend so much time there, I, I, but I don't want to lose touch with my family. You know, so kind of where I connect with my family members, I'm like, and, and that's great. If it's a tool that you use to connect with your family, limit your time. Don't, don't eliminate social media, but limit your time on social media. The average person uh, it spends, <laughs> this is, this is mind-blowing, Two hours and 25 minutes a day, average person, two hours and 25 minutes a day on social media. The average person between 16 and 24 years of age is three hours a day on social media. That is not connecting with family, guys. I mean, five minutes connecting with family and, and move on, but limit your time there. Um, I mean, let's face it, social media is, there are, there are good things there, but there's, you don't get to like screen out the bad stuff. And it's full of propaganda, propaganda and negativity. Not to mention they're tracking your every click, your every move, you're, they're trolling you, trying to figure you out. Like why? I don't know. It's, and it's addictive. Carolyn Leaf again. Here's a quote from her on social media. She says, social media addict, question mark. This is a very real problem, so much so that researchers from Norway developed a new instrument to measure Facebook addiction called the Virgin Facebook Addiction Scale. Social media has become as ubiquitous as television in our everyday lives, and this research shows that multitasking social media can be as addictive as drugs, alcohol, and chemical substance abuse. A large number of friends on social media networks may appear impressive, but according to a new report, the more social circles a person is linked to, the more likely the social media will be a source of stress. It can also have a detrimental effect on consumer well-being because milkshake multitasking interferes with clear thinking and decision-making, which lowers self-control and leads to rash, impulsive buying and poor eating decisions. Greater social media use is associated with a higher body mass index, increased binge eating, a lower credit score, and higher levels of credit card debt for consumers with many close friends in their social network all caused by a lack of self-control. And, and she finishes up by saying, we can become shallow. What we fill our minds with can lead our lives in a good direction or it can lead it in a bad direction. And, and so too much time on social media, which if we don't think about it, we're all, it's addictive. We all have a, a uh, propensity to spend time there, or a lot of us do. But are you filling your, your mind with what is good and beautiful and noble and pure and right and true? 
encourage you to limit your social media intake. Next thing is to, to limit your news intake. Limit your news intake. Now, I have a personal confession to make here. This is a struggle for me because I love news. I love to know what's going on in the world. I love to be able to, to see what's coming our way. That's, it's kind of entertainment for me. And in fact, I remember back, back when I was in college and the first Gulf War was uh, started, and I was glued to the television for the entire thing. I mean, I was in college, but I was, you know, every time I had a free minute, I was in front of a television watching what was going on. Now, part of that was I was in my prime draft years, but part of it was I just, I just needed to know what was going on. And I have, I've wrestled with this ever since. I love news. I can spend hours a day consuming news if I'm not careful. And we've already talked about, you know, what's true and who's telling the truth. And I don't believe this station, but I don't believe that station either. And, and um, you know, and, and then a lot of it's online or podcasts or talk radio or whatever. And like I said, it's kind of entertainment for me, but it's, it feeds my control issues. I, somehow I feel like if I understand what's coming, I have some control. But you can spend hours. I have spent hours consuming that material. The problem is, is that if you focus on the latest crisis, that's what you're going to see. You see what you're focused on. There's, it's a focus factor principle, right? What you focus on is what you see. Have you ever bought a car and then all of a sudden everybody's driving that car? I bought a Subaru Outback recently and up until that point, I saw one or two on the road. Now everybody drives Subaru Outbacks. They're everywhere. I can't even believe it. This is how parents can live next to railroad tracks with a newborn and sleep through the train coming by the house, but if the baby whimpers a little bit, they're up and listening because they're focused on the baby. It's called a reticular activating system in our brain, and it, whatever we are focused on is what we see. We are heightened to see it around us, and so if you are focused on crisis, that's what you're going to see everywhere you look. How do you think that's going to affect your peace? How do you think that will affect your anxiety level? Consuming too much news and too much, you know, of the latest crisis or whatever, right, right now it's the war in Ukraine, it can make you nuts. It tunes your brain to look at the crisis, and now you see crisis everywhere you look, and you're missing out on the opportunities, the relationships, and everything else that's going on around you. Paul encourages us to focus on the truth, focus on what is true, not the what-ifs, not this could happen or that could happen or, or whatever else. You know, 99% of the time, what we think might happen doesn't materialize. I remember back in Y2K when everybody was buying food storage and gold and moving to the hills. I actually was at a, a mountain off the grid cabin for New Year's Eve, but it wasn't because I was afraid of Y2K. That just happened to be where our, our friend group was that evening. But I remember everybody was just kind of expecting the world to go dark because the computers weren't set up for four digits and we were, we were switching a millennium. And all of a sudden, nothing happened. It, nothing happened. It was, it was, it was fine. And, and so you had all these people who were all, I mean, if you were alive or around in that time, people were completely wound up about this. And we're sure it was the end of the world. 99% of the time, 
It doesn't materialize. So what we end up doing is we end up living in constant crisis. We live out 99% of crises that never happen in our heads. And what does that do? It creates stress hormones. It creates uh, anxiety. It creates fear. And it and it diminishes our faith a bit. Now, I am not saying that there's anything wrong with keeping an eye or being on the news or keeping an awareness of what's going on in our world. And even, there's nothing wrong with preparing for that. But if once you're prepared, you, you continue to obsess and think on and, and, and ruminate on and consume more and more, that's all you're going to see. It's going to make you nuts over time. Now, will you go through hard times? Absolutely you will. Of course you will. Will there be black swan events that hit our world? Yes, of course there will be. But you know what? Worrying about it ahead of time doesn't do you much good. Doesn't do you any good other than to, you know, prepare for it and move on. But here's what I know. And that 1% of the time when the black swan lands and there's something really bad going on in the world, God shows up in the midst of it every time with grace and mercy and the strength you need to navigate that. And you're not even going to need what you think you needed, but whatever it is that you do need, God will give it to you in that time. So limit your exposure to news. Third thing is this, limit your exposure to negative people. Limit your exposure to negative people. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, but you're a pastor. You can't limit your exposure to negative people. Oh, yes, I can. Negative people suck the life out of you. So I, I know some of you are like, but I'm a negative person. I know. Stop it. Don't be a negative person. I mean, watch this message from last week and this week. You have a choice in that. Negativity. I'm not saying we ignore or shun negative people. We love them. We limit our exposure because they will suck the life out of you. And if you are a negative person, I don't say this to be, and you, and you know it, because sometimes we don't even know it. This is, not a, this is not a point of rejection. This is just a point of reality. And you will be amazed as you choose to dwell on these things, to, to fill your heart and your mind with these things, to, to walk out this lesson from last week and this week how your friendships will improve and how people will want to spend more time with you. Boundaries are okay. Limit your exposure to negative people. Don't cut them out of your life. Just limit it. Next thing is this, immerse yourself in beauty. He said whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, immerse yourself in beauty. Go for a walk in the woods. Go to, go to an art gallery and look at beautiful art or read a classic novel or listen to music and fill your heart with it. You know, instead of listening to talk radio in the car, put on beautiful music and fill your heart with that. Immerse yourself in beauty. The next thing is this. Think about God's word. What is truth? Who's telling the truth? Sometimes it's really hard to figure out in this day and age and world of propaganda that we live in, but I know that I know that I know the truth is found in God's Word. Read it. Read it daily. Study it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. You know, the messaging that comes, comes at us each and every day is pretty negative. Our world is pretty negative, but God's Word, it's encouraging. 
and it's true. And our enemy comes at us with lies all the time, telling us we're not worthy, we're not good enough, all of these things. He attacks our identity. Now, Jesus, when he was being attacked by Satan in the desert, he came back at Satan with truth. He came back at him with Scripture. And so when the enemy shows up and says, you're worthless, have a scripture ready. Memorize it, maybe. Psalm 139, 13 through 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am not worthless. God knit me together stitch by stitch in my mother's womb. Shut the pie hole, Satan. When he, when he says, you're unacceptable, you'll never be acceptable to God. You'll never be a part of his family. Well, in John 1, John writes these words, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I'm a child of God. I, you know, my acceptableness isn't, isn't based on my ability to be good enough, but God accepts me. He's adopted me into his family. I am his child. When the enemy shows up and says, you're no different than, than you were before you were a Christian. And this happens all the time. I talk to new Christians all the time who are like, yeah, well, I, I kind of messed up and I don't even know if I'm really a Christian. And that's kind of the narrative you hear in your brain. Come back with 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a brand new creation. The old is gone. There is, the new is here. You have been made into a new creation. And that is the truth because that is God's word. When the enemy comes at you and says, you're alone, God's not with you. Give him John, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, I'm not alone. God is with me. He's fighting my battles for me. When you question God's love, because that happens sometimes too, right? We hear those negative messages. We come back with, with Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor the present nor the future nor any powers nor, nor height nor depths nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Get this in your heart. Get this in your head. Dwell on these things. These are true, and they're beautiful. Get these pathways burned into your mind and into your heart. When the enemy comes to you and goes, well, I guess it's hopeless now, this situation, it's the end. It doesn't end well. You're, you're done. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That verse has gotten me through so many hard times. And instead of thinking about what it is I have to worry about, I think about the fact that God is taking this difficult situation or whatever it is I'm going through, and he is going to bring it out in the end for my good and his glory. And I can hold on to that promise, and I can hold on to that truth. Focus on what is true. Fill your heart and your mind with good stuff. And it will begin to not only change the way you see the world, it will begin to rewire your inner world, your brain and your heart, 
It's powerful. The next thing that Paul says to do is to live your life for God. Live your life for God. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, he says. Put it into practice. Just thinking about it is not enough. You actually have to live this out. Now, Paul, this was, Paul penned these words before the New Testament had been written. And so when he went uh, to Philippi and he was, he was with these people, he lived out the gospel in front of them. He brought the Old Testament scriptures most likely, or they were there, and he taught them from those, and he lived out how to be a Christian in front of them. And so he's like, look, do what I did. Follow my example. Live out what you heard from me. You know, to apply this today, live what you're learning in church. When you come here and you hear a great sermon, or even a marginal sermon, live it out. Don't just think about it. And a lot of times all we do is we hear it on Sunday morning and, and then we're like, oh, that was really good. And then we go out and we just forget about it. No, 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 no. Paul says, you have to live this out. You have to live out your faith. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace. The God who brings peace to our hearts and our minds. The God who stops the spinning of worry and anxiety. He's with us as we live in obedience to him. And guys, it is obedience that leads to confidence in our relationship with God. It is guilt that leads to fear. Let me ask you, if, you, if you've uh, grown up, have you ever been busted by your parents for something? You did something wrong, and I, and I know there's only a handful of us that have actually done something. No, I'm just kidding. All of us have done that. But what happens to the nature of the interaction with your parents? Obedience leads to confidence. Disobedience leads to fear. Because we know we've been busted. We know there are probably consequences coming. So when you interact with your parents at that point, they call you in, you know you're done, you're busted. You know, your, your interaction with your parents is different. You're timid. There's a sense of, of fear going into that. Hopefully not like I'm going to be beaten or rejected fear, but, but there is a difference there. Listen, if God is telling you to do something, or if he's telling you to stop do, doing something, do what he's telling you to do or stop doing what he's telling you to stop doing. Because if I say, no, God, I'm not stopping, or no, God, I'm not doing that, or at least not yet, it's hard to have the God of peace with you. Now, he's not going to kick you out of the family. You know, you're, I'm not saying you can earn your salvation, but what, what does happen in a really functional way and it's the same way in our relationship with our parents if, we, if we're rebellious and disobedient. We're going to lose our rewards. We're going to lose our privileges, right? As, as kids, if, I, if I'm disobedient to my parents, I, you know, I, I have to be in at a certain time. I can't do this. I can't do that. There, there are punishments coming. I'm going to lose the quality of relationship. You know this. If you've ever had a rebellious kid or if you've ever been a rebellious kid, you don't stop loving your kid. But the nature of the relationship is different. It's stressful. It's, it's strained. You lose the quality of relationship, and you're going to lose the God of peace protecting you because he's going to be focused on correcting you instead of protecting you. If you've ever had a disobedient child in the house, 
it is stress. It's stress in the relationship. It's stress for the whole family. It's why some parents are like, oh, I just hope I survive the teenage years because if you, they end up going off the rails in the teenage years, you're just holding on hoping you can make it. It's miserable. It's miserable for the parent. It's miserable for the child, both sides. And if you've ever been a disobedient child, you know this is true as well. So if God is telling you to do something, do it. And if he's telling you to stop, stop, but live your life for him. Do what he says. Live out your faith. And if you do, peace is possible. That's at the end of the day, and this series for me, the vision that I want to put out in front of all of us is that we can live in peace, even if you've always lived in fear and anxiety. Even if you're going through hell right now, you can have in your heart and your mind the peace that passes all understanding. It is available to you, but you got to choose a positive mindset. You got to respond with grace. You got to remember that God is with you. You got to stop, drop, and pray every time a worrisome thought comes up. Got to develop that thankful heart and start with thanks. You got to fill your mind with good stuff. And if you will live your life for God, the peace of God that transcends all understanding and the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, God made you to live in peace in spite of your circumstances. And if you've ever met anybody who has, has tapped into this and is living this out, you look at them and you're like, wow. That's amazing. They seem to be unshakable. I mean, I know they're hurting, or I know this is they're suffering, or I know this is going on, but they got this peace that passes understanding. And if you apply these things, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go like, wow, I've got this peace that passes understanding. And I can live in these days with that peace. But it starts, my friends, with choosing to follow Jesus. And if you've never done that, if you have never made the decision to follow Jesus, would you make that today? He is waiting for you to come to him and go, I surrender. <laughs> I choose to follow you. I need your forgiveness. I need your love in my life. I need you guarding my heart and, cry, and, and mine. Come into my life. Fill my heart. Would you do that now if you haven't done that? As, as we close out, I just want to invite you to, to close your eyes and just say, Jesus, come into my life. I choose now to follow you. Would you forgive my sin? Would you wash away my shame? And would you give me a brand new life? Make me a new creation. And help me to live these things out, Lord. Would you rewire my inner world and align it with you so that I could know this peace that passes understanding and I could help others find it? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.